Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. During his ministry, Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is the body of Christ. Through his messages, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll-free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. One book in the Bible that always seems to stir interest is the book of Revelation. This book gives the account of the Apostle John receiving the revelation from God. This revelation actually came as John saw vision after vision, prophetically revealing the key elements of God's eternal plan. But if one is really to understand the book of Revelation, it's equally important to know the parallel Old Testament book, the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel and Revelation go together in many critical aspects, as we'll see in today's initial program, the first in this life study of Ezekiel. And Bob Danker has joined us for this occasion. Bob, uh, we'll hear Witness Lee say, to know the book of Revelation, you really need to know the book of Ezekiel. And to know the book of Ezekiel, you really need to know the book of Revelation, don't you? That's right. These two books have been very great mysteries to God's people throughout the generations because they are composed of visions which consist of signs and symbols that reveal something spiritual and something divine. To the human mind, it's unfathomable. It's very difficult to understand what the visions are that John saw in Revelation and the visions that Ezekiel saw. But they open up to us God's economy and God's plan and the very crucial elements of God's economy and God's plan. So they're very central and critical for all of us to enter into. I want to give a, a bit of an introductory word here, not about the content of what we're going to hear, but more about the nature, the quality of what we're going to hear. Formally, Witness Lee began the life study of the Bible in 1974. Uh, he was able to complete the entire Bible in this life study, and we have been at it now uh, on the radio producing these programs, and soon we'll have completed all of the uh, entire life study of the Bible on radio, Bob. Uh, But when he got to the book of Ezekiel, he actually drew back upon a conference he gave some years before he began the life study, a conference he gave in Los Angeles in July of 1971 called the Visions of Ezekiel. And he really felt that that conference expressed his burden in terms of what he had been given from the Lord in this book. And so it is those messages from 1971 that we're going to be listening to as we get into this life study. Of course, in 1971, this is uh, several years before most of the programs, and so his voice is noticeably stronger. His spirit is very exercised, and that quality will come across, I think, immediately. And also, uh, of course, uh, between that starting point in 1971 and when he finished in 1996, 
25 years had elapsed, and that was 25 years of more exposure, more practice with the English language. So we're hearing uh, Witness Lee in an earlier stage of his ministry, and I just, because it does sound a bit different, and I wanted to alert the listeners who've been with us uh, for so long and have gotten used to how he sounded, especially recently we've been covering books that he finished near the end of his life. So different sound, same person, uh, same light, same burden. Uh, same amazing opening of the divine revelation to us, and I think we're really in store for something special, aren't we, Bob? We certainly are, Chris. All right, let's begin the life study of Ezekiel and look at the first three verses from chapter 1. Now in the 30th year, in the fourth month, and on the fifth of the month, while I was among the captives by the river Kibar, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth of the month, it was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity. The word of Jehovah came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzai, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Kibar, and the hand of Jehovah was upon him there. Bob, in this opening section, we're going to see witnessly refer not just to these three initial verses, but also pick up this matter of some of the parallels, the striking parallels between uh, Ezekiel and Revelation. So let's join him for that. I have a burden to share with you a little bit about the book of Ezekiel and the book of Revelation. If you look into these two books, these two books go together in parallel. If you read these two books together, you will see all the main points in these two books are nearly the same. Firstly, these two books are started with some visions. Ezekiel saw the visions, and John the Apostle also saw the visions. Then you could see the visions seen by Ezekiel are the visions mainly related to the matter of life. The visions John saw are also the visions of life. Then in these two books, you have the same matter of the flow of the living water. You know, in Ezekiel chapter 47, you have the river that flows out of the habitation of God. Then in Revelation, you have again the living water that proceeds out of the throne of God and the Lamb. Not only so, the main thing is that both of these two books give us a vision of Jerusalem. Ezekiel ends with the vision of Jerusalem, and Revelation does the same thing. And if we look into these two books, we could easily see that these two books both tell us how God has the intention to come into us to be our life that we may have his divine nature, and we may have his glorious image. Then in his divine nature, with his glorious image, that we all who have him as our life may be built up together as the holy Satan, to be God's dwelling place for eternity. <laughs> 
This is the main message of these two books. Well, Bob, a number of interesting parallels, but certainly striking among them this matter of these uh, rivers that appear in both Ezekiel 47 and Revelation chapter 22. Both are rivers that are related to the matter of life, and both are rivers that are related to God's house, aren't they? That's right. Here in Ezekiel and in Revelation, we see the flow of life. And this life that is flowing is the divine life. God himself flows like a river to dispense himself, to convey himself. We know a river flows along a course to bring water to the people and the living things along the course of the river. So this is a picture of God flowing out to reach man and to dispense himself into man to be man's life so that man would possess the very life and nature of God and would be transformed by God to have the image of God. That means to be God's expression. And it's in this life, as both Ezekiel and Revelation reveal clearly, that those who receive this life are built together with God to become a city, Jerusalem. In uh, Ezekiel's vision, of course, the city of Jerusalem at the end, and then in John's vision, the new Jerusalem at the end of Revelation. This holy city is God's eternal dwelling place. In fact, it is God's dwelling place and the dwelling place of all his redeemed. Uh, In this city, God dwells in his redeemed and his redeemed dwell in God. The city is not a physical city. It is actually a symbol of the mingling of God with all his chosen and redeemed and regenerated elect. Uh, This mingling is really carried out by the flowing of God as life within all his people, all those who love him, believe him, and receive him into them and enjoy his flowing. It gives us a a kind of a sketch of the whole Bible there, doesn't it, Bob? I mean, we have all of these elements, God's desire to dispense himself, of course, the flowing water out of his house, ultimately his resting place, man's uh, mutual habitation and resting place. Uh, This is the Bible, and it's uh, really captured in these uh, few verses in these books. That's right. Bob, let's go forward. I want to read now Ezekiel 47, verse 1. Uh, this marvelous verse related to the river in Ezekiel. Then he brought me back to the entrance of the house, and there was water flowing out from under the threshold of the house to the east, for the house faced east, and the water flowed down below the south side of the house on the south of the altar. I want to add also verse 9 in chapter 47. And every living creature which swarms in every place where the river goes shall live. And there will be very many fish when this water comes there. And the water of the sea shall be healed and everything shall live wherever the river comes. Bob, our destiny is to not just be alongside this river, but to be in this river. Exactly. All right, here's Winnesley once more. Ezekiel is just a miniature of the Bible. What is revealed in Ezekiel is just a condensed form of the whole revelation in the whole Bible. The Bible shows us clearly that God's eternal purpose is to dispense himself into us, that we may have him as our life, that we may have his nature. We, the human beings, may have the divine nature. 
and we may bear his glorious image. And eventually, he and we are just mingled together as one entity with two natures. And these wonderful persons will be built together as God's eternal dwelling place. And this is God's eternal purpose. And it is so clearly revealed in the whole scriptures. Ezekiel just shows us this picture in a condensed form. So Ezekiel starts to show us how God's intention is to get himself into us as our life, then how God's intention is just to mingle himself with us that we all might be built up together in him as our life to be his eternal habitation. What the Bible reveals Ezekiel does the same thing. Bob, let us talk about this mutual habitation, this dwelling place of God that is uh, clearly revealed in Ezekiel. It's clearly revealed in the Apostle John's writings, both in his gospel and the book of Revelation. It's also revealed in Peter's writings, also revealed in Paul's writings. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, you yourselves also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house into a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And the reason I wanted to insert that verse, Bob, is it helps underscore the point that in one way of thinking, uh, God's house or this eternal habitation, the New Jerusalem, whatever name we want to use to describe it, is someplace where we think we're going to. But the real revelation, it's something that we are becoming, isn't it? Oh, that's tremendous, uh, Chris. <laughs> I'm so glad you read those verses in First Peter because Peter used the expression spiritual house. Yeah. This really brings us into another dimension, showing us that what God is building is not something physical. In the Old Testament, of course, the temple was a physical building made of stones and wood and various physical materials. But when we reach the New Testament, we really enter into the essence of what God's real, true, genuine building is. And this building is not something physical. It is a spiritual house. (laughs) It is a house that is composed of the people of God, the chosen ones of God, plus God mingled together to be one entity with two natures, as Witnessly pointed out to us. This house has the human nature. It's composed of man, and it also has the divine nature. It's composed of God. So God and man are joined, united, and mingled together to be built up to be a mutual dwelling place a dwelling of God in man and a dwelling of man in God. In order to have this dwelling place, the Bible shows us that God must dispense himself into man. He must enter into man to be man's life. And then as life, he has to grow in man. He has to increase, to grow up, to become mature. God enters into us like a seed and he grows in us day by day adding himself by dispensing himself, increasing. And this increase of God in our being is the real building. This is the building that God is after. And the ultimate result of this is a mutual dwelling place of God and man, which the Bible calls the New Jerusalem. So this is the real central revelation of the Bible. 
And we really need to have the Lord's mercy to leave the physical realm and enter into a divine and mystical realm where we and God are united and mingled as one in the divine life and the divine nature. Bob, it's throughout the ages, some have shied away from using this kind of language to describe this joining, this union, this mingling, because uh, historically there were some heresies associated with a wrong understanding, a wrong interpretation of this kind of speaking. But this is biblical speaking, and the key factor here, Bob, and you correct me if I misstate, but that these two natures remain distinct. There's never the uh, disappearance of either the divine or the human, nor is there the production of any new third nature, right? And this is a proper understanding of the mingling of the two natures. That's right, Chris. I'm glad you pointed that out because Brother Lee did use the expression one entity with two natures. Those two natures are the nature of God and the nature of man. Although these natures are mingled, they are not annihilated and they're not confused. Right. Uh, They are remain distinct. A picture of this, as we have pointed out many times, is the meal offering in Leviticus chapter 2, where fine flour and oil are mingled together to produce a cake or a wafer, uh, an offering that could be offered to God. This is a picture of the mingling of God and man. Of course, the greatest picture of this mingling is the man, Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. He is God and he is man and he is divine and he is human. And in him, divinity and humanity are mingled but not confused. Right. A marvelous mingling. <laughs> and God wants to reproduce and duplicate this person in millions and millions of his chosen ones. And ultimately, this new Jerusalem, the ultimate uh, consummation of this uh, mingling is this corporate mingling of divinity and humanity, as you've said, and becomes God's dwelling place for eternity and becomes man's dwelling place for eternity. That's right. It also becomes God's expression because, as Witness Lee pointed out, this mingling has God's image. Mm. That means it looks like God not only physically, but inwardly. It expresses God. It manifests all the attributes of God in man's human virtues as a glorious expression of the triune God. Marvelous entity. It is a marvelous entity, and what a picture that we were given in Ezekiel and in Revelation. Bob, a moment ago, you referred to the matter of maturity. Uh, That's an important component here. We're going to see that in a practical application here uh, related to verse 1. It tells us something about the man, Ezekiel, and it says again, now in the 30th year, and I just need to read that much, and I think uh, Witness Lee will fill in the blank. The book of Ezekiel begins in a very peculiar way. In this introduction, four main points are covered as a short introduction to this long book. Date, the place, the person, and the condition to start to see the visions. Now, we firstly have to look into the date, including the year the month, and the day. The year was the 30th year. This means by this time Ezekiel was 30 years of age. So what is the real meaning of the number 30 in the Bible? That is the maturity in life. And this means by that time Ezekiel was a mature person. So what is the meaning of the 30th year? That is, this book 
needs the maturity of the ones who are God's priests to see the visions, to prepare the offerings which are Christ himself for others' enjoyment, and even to enjoy the riches of Christ, then these persons who are so matured and so enjoying Christ will be the fullness of Christ. Maya, number 30, really means something to us, that we have to be matured in our spiritual life, that then we could see the visions about Christ and his body then we could prepare for others' enjoyment and we could enjoy all the riches of Christ that we may become the fullness of Christ. Bob, uh, Luke chapter 3, verse 23 says, And he, Jesus, when he began to minister, was about 30 years old. Interesting, isn't it? Both Jesus and Ezekiel uh, mentioned this matter of the 30 years being the beginning of ministry. It's significant, isn't it? Yes, it is very significant, Chris. And I'd like to point out that in Numbers chapter 4, the law also said that a man had to be an Israelite, a Levite, or one in the house of Levi and the house of Aaron, had to be 30 years old before he could serve as a priest. So 30 years was the age of maturity, the age when one was qualified to serve as a priest. And so here we have the aspect of serving as a priest and the aspect of seeing the visions. We need the maturity of life to enter into the visions in the Bible. That means we need to enjoy God as the river of water of life every day so that we can grow in his life. Then we have the capacity to see the visions that are revealed in his word. And Ezekiel, of course, was a mature one when he saw these marvelous visions. Also, Ezekiel was a priest. Right. So he was one who served in the presence of God, an intimate one. One was intimate with God. And, of course, the priest's function was to prepare the sacrifices, the offerings right. to offer right. to God. And that is a picture of our preparing Christ to offer to God and to offer to others for their enjoyment. And then I'd like to stress the enjoyment that the priests had. Their portion was the top tenth of the tithe that was given by God's people to God. It was the top part of the good land of Canaan. All the choicest things became theirs for their enjoyment. This is a picture for us that through the maturity of life, we can enter into the fullness of the enjoyment of Christ and all his unsearchable riches. This enjoyment then makes us something. As Witness Lee mentioned, it makes us the fullness of Christ, and that means it makes us the expression of Christ. So all these marvelous points that are brought out here really require us to grow until we become 30 years old, <laughs> until we reach the maturity of the divine life. Then we can see the visions. We can prepare Christ for others' enjoyment. We could enter into all the riches of Christ for our enjoyment, and we can become the fullness, the expression of Christ. Really, Bob, the essence of the priesthood was twofold. On the one hand, as you said, they're handling these sacrifices to offer to God. On the other hand, they were bringing God to man, to the people. That's right. And that is also our portion. As we're handling Christ, offering him up in all of his marvelous aspects day by day, we become mature, are able to enter in and see something ourselves that thereby can be our portion to give to others. 
That's right. This is the real exercise of the New Testament priesthood, isn't it? It really is, Chris. Bob, I want to be an Ezekiel in this age. Me too. (laughs) We hope our listeners will stay with us. We also hope you'll contact us about getting the printed life study messages. There's so much, I'll just tell you up front. These messages are loaded. There's a lot here. We're not going to be able to touch it all in these half-hour portions, so we hope you'll get the printed messages. Call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. And we'll tell you how you can get this uh, material in your own hands to help you in your own study and enjoyment of the Life Study of Ezekiel. That's it for today. For Bob Danker and Chris Wilde, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one, and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.